if we could stay in this moment just briefly, I would, uh, I would like to ask all of our teachers to stand if you're here. All of our teachers, if you will stand, please. children have gone into Kid City, but I just want to pray a special prayer as we're talking about the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And so for those of you sitting down, if you could, you can either touch them if they're okay with that, or just extend a hand <laughs> to pray for the teachers that you see. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these people, these teachers and all that they do and all that they give. Lord, you know all that they face as they care for students. The challenges and even the dangers in this day and age. But Lord, we proclaim your name over them. We proclaim your power over them. That you, Holy Spirit, would give them wisdom. Give them strength and courage in the face of adversity. Give them, give them divine knowledge on what to do and how to handle tough situations. That they can care for their students in the way that you called them to. Lord, that they can be a light and a witness of your kingdom in that classroom. May they spread your love. And may you strengthen them today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I thank you all, all you teachers, for all that you do, and may the Lord bless you. Well, good morning, church. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you. For those who don't know me, my name is Timothy White. I am the care minister here, and it's always a privilege to stand up here, so I'm always humble. And I, and I pray that the Lord would just uh, guide my words today. And for all of us, because this word is for all of us, that the Lord will open all of our ears to not only be hearers of the word, but doers as well. I want to take a quick poll just to see, you know, so this is week seven of an eight-week sermon series on the Holy Spirit, and I just want to see, has this sermon series been helpful to anybody here? You can raise your hand or whatever, I'm just curious. I pray that it's been helpful for those of you who grew up learning about the Holy Spirit, that your understanding has been increased, and for those of you for whom this is new, that you now have a better understanding. And no sermon series could ever exhaust the knowledge of God and who God is and how God works, but it's important that we as a church continue to present this as we continue to grow in what it means to be a church and to be guided by the Holy Spirit. So, a brief uh, recap from the previous week, we had Pastor Ray Chang who came to us last week and he talked about how the Spirit sends us and how the Spirit also sanctifies us in sending us. So it's in sending us out that the Spirit also continues to groom and, and conform and shape us to be 
more like Christ. And my focus today will we'll continue with that, but uh, dealing with how the Spirit distributes gifts to the body. So we'll talk about that today. So to begin, I want to read a passage for us coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is the Apostle Paul. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits or discernment of spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. This is the Word of God. Now whenever you're reading any text, you always want to read it in context, and so just a little context of this whole book. So uh, the Church of Corinth, this is a church that Paul planted, and he deeply loves this church. Right, so he regards them as children in the faith, right? He's like a spiritual father to them, so he cares deeply for them. And we don't have the letter, so there's been various correspondences between Paul and this church, and there was a letter they sent to him, and this letter, we don't have that letter, but this letter is more of a response to what they wrote him. And so um, as we read different parts of it, you can kind of get a sense that he's actually uh, responding to things that they were saying to him. And as Paul does in all of his letters, he first, um, he, he begins by affirming their call in Christ. He affirms their genuine faith in the Lord that they have received of Christ and what Christ is doing in them. He always starts off with identity first. Uh, if you ever wonder about that throughout Scripture, identity is always the foundation. This is who you are in Christ. And now, here are the implications of what it is to be in Christ. And so this church, he affirms their calling, but of course <laughs> there are issues in the church. Paul, before he brings correction, he affirms them, and then now he rips into them. Lovingly, but this is what he does. <laughs> he brings correction. This was a church that had all kinds of issues and divisions and factions. People were saying things like, I am of Paul. No, I am of Apollos. 
See, no, I was saved under Paul's ministry, so I like the way he does things. No, I prefer the way Apollos teaches and preaches, the way he brings it. I am of Apollos, and Paul has to say, hold up, stop, wait a minute. This isn't about Paul, it's not about Apollos, but it's about Christ. He's, he's having to uh, remind them that, hey, this is one faith, one God, and Apollos and Paul and Peter, we're just fellow servants. That's all we are to testify of Christ. So all of these factions and divisions, I'm with this person and that person, this person and that person, are utter foolishness. There were issues of sexual immorality in the church, and rather than the church confronting them and dealing with them, they were proud of it. They condoned it. And Paul has to remind them, look, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You can't just do what you want. There were other issues, such as eating meat sacrificed to idols. This was a big issue back then, and let me just kind of set this up for you, what was going on. Well, you had Gentile believers now coming to faith in Christ, but remember, they still had their pagan connections, so many of them came from worshiping, you know, Zeus and all these other Greco-Roman gods and deities, and so there were some of them that had this knowledge that, well, now that I'm in Christ, I know that I serve the one true God, and Zeus is nothing. Aphrodite and uh, Ares, they're nothing. They're meaningless. So it's okay for me to go in the temple of Zeus at the festival and eat, because Zeus is nothing, right? But it was causing a problem in the church because there were others who were like, why are you going in that temple? Do you not understand the association? So there was conflict, and there were others who were like, you know, Zeus, that's kind of like, yo, that, that, and, and Paul's like, listen, like, be mindful of your brothers and sisters who are offended by that. And he has to set them straight. Look, we know Zeus is nothing. All these gods, they're nothing. We serve the one true God. But here's the one thing you need to know. There are demonic entities and powers behind Zeus that are very real. And you as a follower of Jesus are not to associate with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. So yes, we know Zeus means nothing, but you have to understand what you're doing is causing a problem in the body. You need to consider brothers and sisters, don't associate with that, okay? So he's calling them to be considerate of each other. There was a lot of pride, there was a lot of selfishness, and as I've already mentioned, there were a lot of cliques. Factions, as I mentioned. We've got our group of folks in this church that we cool, we down with each other. Oh, them over there, we just don't deal with them as much. Factions. And Paul is saying, yo, we're in one body and we're going to deal with that. And so that's the backdrop of this book. And this theme continues on into the discussion of spiritual gifts. Because a similar thing was happening. This was a gifted church. They had a lot of problems, but there were gifts. And so he begins to talk about uh, the nature of the spiritual gifts. And 
you know, I've mentioned before that I grew up in a church that was very charismatic, and so there was a greater emphasis on the gifts, and so we talked about them all the time. Some of you may have been in churches where you're like, gifts? I don't really know that much about that. So if I go back up to the text, Paul talks about the different kinds of gifts that the Spirit gives, right? And, and it's the Spirit, even though different manifestations through different people, it's one Spirit. And he says, listen, to one there's, uh, uh, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom, to another knowledge, which means the Spirit can work through someone divinely and give them a greater sense of knowledge that they otherwise in their own strength would not have, a sense of wisdom in how to go about certain things that in their own strength they would not have, right? The Spirit works in some people like that. You may have identified that in the body. There are some people that I talk to, man, they just full of wisdom all the time. You could be identifying a spiritual gift that God works through that person in that way. Or maybe it's knowledge. God is working through them in that way. There are other gifts. So knowledge, same spirit to another. Faith. There are some people just, they just believe God for crazy stuff and God does it. And you're like, wow, God is working through them in that specific way. But here the key point, it's God at work. Okay? It's God at work. But the same, yes, the same spirit. So faith, another gifts of healing, okay? There are some that God still works miracles through. Um, and you might be in a context where you're like, you haven't really seen many miracles. There are places around the world and other countries where God, the spirit is moving in those ways and there are miraculous healings. So I will say to you that the Lord does still work, but it's all about God's working. So, healing, uh, another uh, miraculous powers, we're talking about the healing, the miracles, uh, to another prophecy, a little bit about prophecy, and this was very normal in the text I grew up in, and in fact, my mother uh, would operate with the gift of prophecy, and that would be uh, a time where God can reveal through a person very specific things, either related to a congregation or a person's individual life, things that they either need to do or what things that are going on that the person themselves would not know. So the Spirit of God reveals it to that person, and it's for the body. Another one, discerning of spirits. There are people who just know how to discern things. People that mean like, oh, my brother, let me talk to you. I don't think you should make that deal. Something doesn't seem right about that. Yo, I don't think you should connect with those people. There's something that's off, like spiritual discernment. You may have encountered that. There are some people who operate in that gift, the ability to discern. Another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. You might remember this on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, uh, where the Spirit filled the place and the apostles began speaking in different tongues. Um, these were languages that they themselves did not speak and did not know, but the Spirit moved through them and the people outside heard them speaking wonderful things in their own language. That was God working through them. And it's so interesting, what tripped them out was like, aren't these men Galileans? In other words, these men are not educated. These men are not known for being learned, and yet we hear them speaking in our tongue. 
That was a moment of the Spirit of God speaking in tongues through them for the benefit of those who were outside. And so that gift can also work in the church context where God uses someone to speak in an unknown tongue. Of course, as Paul deals with later, there must be an interpreter. Someone has to interpret for the benefit of the hearer. So if I just start talking in an unknown tongue and nobody knows what it is, I might feel spiritual, but it does nothing for y'all. And Paul, in fact, this is what was happening in this church where people just had a tongue and they were just doing whatever. He said, listen, someone has to interpret, okay, for it to mean something, all right? But a diversity of gifts, <clears throat> one spirit, different kinds of tongues, uh, he says, to another interpretation of tongues. There are others who can hear, uh, God will give you the interpretation, and so on. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them, key point, to each one just as he determines. It's the work of God that gives to the body, and so these gifts are for building up the body. They're not for you. As I mentioned, I grew up in a context, and sometimes people would get lost in their own giftedness and forget that your gift is for the body. <laughs> not about you. It's not about showing how spiritual I am. It's not about showing that I'm a, see, I'm a senior level Christian and you're a junior Christian because I speak in tongues and I prophesy and you don't. And uh, no, that's not what it's for. It's about the body. So there's no competition here. You're not better than somebody else because you've got a gift that they don't have. Why do I say that? Because that's exactly what was happening in this church context. We talked about the factions and the divisions, and so you can imagine what people were saying about gifts. I am better than you. I am more gifted than you. God is working through me and not you. Or with our particular factions, I have to close my eyes for effect, you know, that's how it is. But, you know, my, fa my faction, my group of folks that I have a camaraderie with, God's working through us, not y'all. Paul has to now set them straight. Listen. The emphasis now, while the gifts are important, Paul now switches and says, the gifts are not the main thing. The gifts are important, but now we need to talk about the heart of the church, the character of the church. It'll do you no good to have all these wonderful gifts and you're a jerk. It'll do you no good <laughs> to be able to prophesy and do, say all these wonderful things and you're mean. So he talked about the heart of the church, and he starts to use the analogy of the body. I'm going to pick up 1 Corinthians chapter 12, so same chapter, going down to verses 12 through 18. Paul goes on to say, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we, get this, were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. 
Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now, if you hear this, you, you, what you have in this church is this sense of inferiority and superiority. There were some who were saying, I'm better than you. Others who were saying, well, I don't have their gifting, so I guess I don't really matter. I can't preach. I can't teach. I can't sing. I can't do this. I can't do that. So maybe there's really no use for me. Can you hear that in this church? Paul's like, look, we're one body. Now, I would love to see you, if you were to stub your toe, I would just love to see you experience that and your entire body not respond. I mean, I stub my toe and pow, and the rest of me is just like nothing happened. We know what's going to happen. Everything in me stops. My hands say, yo, ah, my body starts limping. Why? Even though I didn't hurt my arm, I didn't hurt, but everything now has to respond to what just happened. And what Paul is saying, this is how you are to be. But the reality is, we don't get that way overnight. You know, my wife and I, we've been married for 19 years, so yes, we're still newlyweds. We're still, still, still learning this thing, you know. Hey, we got folks in here 50 years, so I'm like, yo, hey, we got work to do. But, uh, and just to bring up Genesis 2.24, it says, therefore a man, uh, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two become one flesh. There are two things happening here. There's the declaration of one flesh. That's the state of being, that's the reality. We said I do, we got married, we became one flesh. But then there's another component of growing into oneness. That's a journey. It's not happening overnight. That's a process and it's been a challenge, disagreements, conflict, but still operating out of the fact that we are one flesh and so forth. Therefore, that's got to guide how we operate together. So when there's a conflict, well, we're one, so we got to work through this. And we got to learn, so we are one, but we got to learn how to be one. And Paul is saying that's the same thing with the body. We've got to learn to flow together. You are one. There's no need for jealousy. There's no room for that because you have a gift I don't have. You bring something to the table that I need. I've mentioned to you all before that I played football in high school and, you know, on offense, so I played both ways, so I was tired. But 
I was a tight end on offense and an inside linebacker on defense. Now, I wish I was this size. I wasn't. I was a skinny, 175-pound kid, but I held my own. So um, I did. I did. I really did. Uh, <laughs> but if anybody understands being on a team, you're different members. We have a common goal and we have a common enemy, a common opponent. And in order for us to be successful, we've got to function as a unit. And one of the worst things that could happen when we would go back to the huddle, that's where we would re-strategize and get the next play, is for us to spend our time arguing and bickering and fighting and telling each other off now, don't get me wrong, the huddle was a place where there was encouragement. Hey, yo, I like what you did. Do that again. Sometimes it might be challenging. Bro, you missed your blocking assignment. You got to do that. Or, hey, on this end, yo, I need your help. I need you to back me up. Right? So there would, there's room for challenging each other. There are hard conversations, but we still had to have the same goal, that when we break out of this huddle, we each have our own part. My role as an inside linebacker wasn't more important than the lineman. In fact, I had to understand how my role was connected to their role. That's the body. We're connected, and what you do impacts me. What I do publicly and privately impacts you, and vice versa. So your role matters. I need your role. I need you to be on your game and vice versa. So that breaking out of that huddle, we're ready to go. We all know what we're doing. We know this play. And depending on the play, my assignment might be a little different. Depending on my play, the play on offense, I would go either block this person or maybe this play, I need to go block that person. The assignment might be different, but our unity is the same. We might have different challenges, different things we need to tackle as a church, but you know your assignment, I know mine, it might look different in this context, but we're operating as a unit. And as I mentioned before, there's no room for jealousy, there's no time for that. Well, how come I'm not like you? Because you're not supposed to be. Remember, God is the one who's distributing these gifts. Who has God made you to be? Because sometimes we can be so busy looking at, well, I'm not them and I'm not them. You don't see what God is doing in and through you. And guess what? Do you realize that impacts the body? Because you're not being who God made you to be because you're trying to be like them. And so there's a component we're missing. There's a skill set we're missing. See, the particular list that Paul gives of spiritual gifts, uh, uh, this isn't exhaustive. There are other things too. Uh, your thing may not be prophecy, it may not be tongues, but you have a calling for hospitality. You're gifted in that way. You are gifted with organization and you know how to put things in order and put things together. We need that. Are you identifying what those gifts are? And I think this is important too because some of us might think that when it comes to ministry and giftings, it's just about what's happening in here. No, it's for the body. But listen, we only spend, what, two hours here on a Sunday? 
It's for the community, the ways that we're interacting outside of here, everywhere that we go. The gifts of the body, discernment of the spirits, it's the discerning of spirits. I mean, yo, that's, yo, life grows, we're connected with each other. So you need to understand a bigger picture. Let me make sure I don't lose my place. So, question, are we blinded by our own giftedness, calling, or passion that we refuse to see other gifts the Spirit has given to the body? I added this here too, there are callings and also passions as well. There might be certain things, and this is what can happen in a church. Maybe it's not a spiritual gift, but it's a calling or a particular ministry that you have a certain passion for. But we can get selfish and start to think that this ministry that I have a passion for is what God really cares about. Maybe for you, your passion is missions. God cares about missions, but you can get the attitude, our church needs to only be doing this because this is where the ministry is. Or somebody could have a passion for youth and our church needs to be about this. Or it's a prison ministry, and, or it's ministry to the poor, whatever. All good things, but if we're not careful, we can get caught up in our own mentality and say, well, you're not as passionate about this as I am, and this is where the real work is. We're missing the diversity of the body. God has given you different passions for a reason, for the body. Because what some people will do, well, this church isn't as big on or uh, 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 developed in this, so I'm leaving. I'm out. Is it possible that God has put that burden on you because maybe we need somebody to take it on and you're the person? But if we get caught up in a selfish mindset, you won't see that. Because now this goes back to that consumeristic mentality of, I come here to be fed. And if you're not meeting my needs, if I'm not feeling community, I'm gone. But when you understand a body and a family, this is a place where you roll up your sleeves. So you come here, and it's not just about you being served, it's you also serving. So maybe we don't have that particular ministry. Maybe God is putting that in you because we need somebody to lead it. You see the difference in the thinking when you understand the diversity of gifts? It's important for me, yes, not everybody's going to do what I'm doing, but I want you to know, which is why it's important for you to understand the gospel and live this out, because when you go into the world, you are going to encounter people I would never talk to. Not that I don't want to, it's just I may never encounter them. The industries you are involved in, you're, you will encounter people who need the gospel that I might never meet, and they might never walk in these doors, but you might be the Jesus they see. So that's why it's important for you to understand, so you don't look at me and say, well, Tim doesn't, I can't do what Tim does, so God doesn't have a use for me. Uh, time out. Later in the same chapter, uh, uh, Paul goes on to deal with those who are more haughty and say, listen, because uh, we just talked about how, you know, the ear is saying that, you know, I'm not this body part, so maybe I shouldn't be a part of the body. There were others doing the, 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 the opposite of, well, because you're not an ear, you shouldn't be in the body. 
You don't have the same passions. You don't have the same calling. You don't have the same gifting. So guess what? I don't really need you. I have to ask new community, is that happening here? Are there factions that are saying, look, we understand what we're doing and we're good, but them? Yeah, God's not really working through them. You doing that? One body. A few more things. Another question, do we see the need for each other? Just like when I'm on the football field, I recognize I need every man to do his part. I need them and they need me. Are we at that point where we can say that? And as I mentioned about marriage or any other relationship, that takes time. I need people in my life who bring different gifts and different perspectives. Because as Pastor Ray talked about, that's for the sanctification of the body. That's how we grow. You can't grow into who God called you to be on your own. You, you can't just be at home, you and your Bible and Jesus. Those are wonderful times. But do you realize there are levels of healing God will, God will not do in you apart from the body? There's growth that God won't bring to you apart from the body, which means God has given gifts in here that you need. Issues that you're struggling with. I've never understood people who are like, I'm going through so many challenges in my life, so I'm just going to take a break from church. I'm going to back away. That's the worst thing you could do. You, you need the body to help strengthen and encourage. There are gifts here, gifts of encouragement, discerning of spirits and so on that you need. Which is why you can't be that lone Christian. Do you see your need for the body? And some of you have been there too, like, I'm not really feeling community. Like, I have to ask, how invested are you? How much time and energy are you putting into the community? You're not going to get it on a Sunday morning, not just on a Sunday morning. We're here two hours and we're gone. And we'll be talking about life groups soon. We'll be starting those up. But are you getting invested in the community? And I mean mentally, emotionally, connecting yourself to people. Are you invested? And with that, there will be conflict. There will be disagreements. There's no, I mean, the scriptures don't hide from that. We're different people. We see things differently. So we will disagree. There will be conflict. It will happen. But here's the thing, and here's what Paul's getting at. How we deal with conflict is, it a, is an entirely different matter. To know that it will happen is one thing, but how we deal with it. And let me just speak to you from my heart, because I've been at this church over 14 years, and one thing that I've seen that breaks my heart at this church, and I'm praying that we stop this, I've seen too many people, whether hurt or angry and so on, just split. Just leave. Just walk away. And I would ask the question, did you have a conversation with them? No. Did you reach out and ask questions? No. Did you seek understanding? No. I'm just mad. How does that help anybody? This is part of the reason we're having the healing service. And sometimes, yeah, it might get real, it might get raw. 
but that's the work of becoming a body, of being a body. I'd love to tell you that 19 years of marriage have been peachy, but they haven't been. There are moments, I love my wife and she loves me, but there are moments where I'm like, we don't like each other very much. You're getting on my nerves right now. <laughs> and we need the Lord because, <laughs> yo, it's the same thing in here. We don't just quit. We don't just walk away. You made me mad. I'm not talking to you. That's childish. This is what Paul is getting at. Listen, you are one body because of Christ and what he did. You are connected to each other. Now you got to learn how to live into it. And it's work. It's hard. It doesn't feel good. It's going to be uncomfortable. Yes, in this setting, issues of sin will have to be challenged and addressed. Wrong doctrine will have to be corrected. There might be times in the community that I might say something that I didn't intend to hurt you, but it does. And we have to be able to come together. There's got to be a place where I say, you know what, I'm sorry. Am I humble enough to say that to you? Am I humble enough to recognize, you know what, I hurt you. Hey, I blew it. I was wrong. I should have come to you first. Yo, or maybe it's going to somebody, can you forgive me? Some of us need to apologize. Some need to ask for forgiveness. And have a conversation. Can we talk this week? Let's just sit down, you and me, and let's see if we can come to some understanding. Or hey, this is a situation, can we get leadership involved? And, and let's come together and let's work this out. That's what being invested in the community is. I told you before, see, Paul's goal is not just about the gifts. It's not about how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. See, this is the actual context of 1 Corinthians 13. We know this as, as the love chapter. It's recited at weddings and so on. But do you realize this is the, the backdrop of what Paul's getting at? So he starts saying, listen, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, I have all knowledge. He's talking about spiritual gifts. If I have all this wisdom, but I don't love you, it's empty. Paul calls this the more, the more excellent way. And I'm telling you, I've been in churches where folks, they, it was all about how gifted they were, and we prop people up, but these same people cut people up, put people down, and they kept it moving, didn't think anything about it. And what Paul is telling this church throughout, I need you to consider your brother and your sister. Consider your actions. Are you thinking about them? Do you have their best intentions at heart? That's what it means to be a body. It means that what you do impacts me. It means that when you're hurt, we all respond. We may not be there, but I believe by God's grace we can get there. We got to start somewhere. How are you doing? I can be so absorbed in my life and what's going on. What's going on with you? How can I serve you today? Do you need help with something? And one thing I've loved about this church is when people need something, our church shows up, and I want us to grow in that. People paying rent and all kinds of, yo, we need to be a church that continues to do that. 
to love each other enough to say, my brother, my sister, hey, that's, that's, not, that's, not, God's, that's not what God called you to do. That behavior, that's not, that's not the way God called you to live. That's hurting you, my brother, my sister. You love them enough to say that because what you do impacts me. And what I do impacts you. One body, one spirit. And I believe that's the call to us today, even though the issues back then are different, however they're similar. Are we willing to identify the divisions and the factions that maybe we formed? The groups in the church, for whatever reason that we said we're not talking to them. Can we break that cycle and say, you know what, y'all, and it might take somebody in the group, hey y'all, you know what, we're not going to talk about that person. You know what, let's arrange a meeting to talk to them. Let somebody be bold enough to say, y'all, we're not doing this, we're not gossiping, we're not doing that. If we have a problem with somebody, let's go to them. Let's talk to them. Let's send an email. Let's set this up, because that's not right. What we're doing is not right. Let me go to you, my brother, my sister. Let's sort it out. Cece, you can come on up. One body. Are you invested here? I want to switch gears because today, as you can see the table before us, it's fitting to have communion because this is what communion is about. I want to read this. It won't be up, up there, but 1 Corinthians 11, you're familiar with these words. Paul says this to the Corinthians. He says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. What's so interesting about this statement is that Paul was responding to another issue that was happening in the church, this lack of consideration for each other. You see, at that time, the Lord's Supper was an actual meal. The church would come together for a meal. But there were some who were stingy, only thinking of themselves, and so they would come to the meal and they would pig out. They would eat everything up, leaving nothing for others. And it is in response to that that Paul makes this statement. Let me remind you what the Lord's Supper is about. Listen, if you're hungry, eat at home. We don't come here to pig out. We come together as a body to remember what Christ did, how he took the bread, and how he took the cup. This is my body, which is broken for you.